We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week 10. I am Scott Jenstead, joined finally again by Derek Van Riper. We had, we had missed schedules for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we both filled in with John McKechnie last couple of weeks. We appreciate uh, John for that. It was fun to talk football with him. But Derek, uh, good to have you back. How's everything? Hey, happy to be back. I had a good trip to Arizona. I know you've been missing time for less fun reasons, although the one week you were gone was actually for like a vacation packed around insane work schedule but uh, i know you've got about a month before things start to really settle down for you get it closer to like the actual holiday season before normalcy returns to your life right so yeah i've got to i gotta deal with holiday craziness in the midst of work craziness so it's uh it's a fun uh it's a fun and crazy time but uh yeah no uh when when family starts to come in i just i'm like oh boy this is this uh, adds another element to my mix <laughs> well at least you've got fantasy as like a, a late night diversion after long work days yeah, DFS last week was actually really good. One of my better weeks. I just uh, I was a couple of uh, a couple of cheap uh, receivers or cheap tight ends away from having a really good week. Uh, you know, I nailed uh, I nailed last week was going to be you know expensive running backs. It, it, it was wild though. I mean, when you had you know, there's a lot of talk about Cortland Sutton, Kenny Galladay with the cheap prices and you know getting a ton of ton of work with the with the trades, but they didn't do much. But you look at like the uh, the Sunday Million on FanDuel and Camara. Christian McCaffrey and uh, Kareem Hunt were all over 27%. Hunt was like 37%. McCaffrey was like 32%. I mean, everybody last week went with the big running backs. And, you know, for one of the one of the rare times, all three of those guys went crazy. 
they all three of them went crazy. So if you steered away from Gurley, saved the money, had that extra flexibility, it actually paid off in a pretty big way. Uh, the Gurley question lingers for another week. It's going to be here every single week, really. I mean, he's over 30 points per game right now on DraftKings for the season, 9,400 this week. And my first build, especially for the pentathlon, which we do every week, and it's it's a 12-person contest, I, I play that like a cash game. And it usually just starts with Gurley, and everything else kind of falls into place after that because I have not come up with a compelling reason most weeks to even look anywhere else going back to like week three or week four. It's been a while. Yeah, and John and I talked about it last week with Gurley, but I mean, I tell you what, watching that game, uh, I was actually able to watch that game on Sunday, and the Saints' run D is legit. That's a that's a good that's a good crew. They they can't stop the pass very much, but that that run defense. I mean, the, I think it like two point nine yards per carry, and you know, Gurley did not do uh, didn't hit any big splash plays against them. That, that that might be a pretty legit run D that we have to we have to be careful with. Yeah, it's been that way kind of all year too, where they've had the horrific yeah. pass defense, but borderline elite run defense, and and even with that, Gurley still almost got to twenty on DraftKings, which. It's less than what you were hoping yeah. for at the price, <laughs> right? But he still—I I wouldn't even say he fully busted. It was kind of a partial bust where you could you could work around that and still have at least hit the cash line. Yeah, it's nice when your disappointing game is twenty points. Yeah, must be nice. So uh, taking a look at the slate this week, we uh, we do lose some games. We have four teams on by, so we have eleven games total. So uh, an extra game from last week, and it was a really short slate. Interesting group of games, though. We've got eleven games. Five of them have uh, over unders of fifty or above, and then we have four games with spreads of nine and a half or above. I don't think I remember seeing a you know four double digit spread week uh, anytime since we've been doing this last few years. It's a a lot of big favorites, a lot of big uh, big lines. The only small line, uh, over under we have is the Jets and Bills is thirty seven. So you know that pretty much screams stay away on that one. We'll we'll hit that game. We go game by game, but you know that that screams stay away for me. But five games over fifty. It's gonna be an interesting week to try and figure out which games you think really go up in the kind of in the 60s and which bust a little bit but uh, a lot of games to choose from this week yeah you got some teams projected to uh, be well under 20 points uh, it looks like the Raiders the Lions the Dolphins the Cowboys the Cardinals and the Bills the Bills bottom of that list 15 is their implied total this week going up against the Jets <laughs> and that is horrific and I think that's even with the possibility of Josh Allen being back under center instead of Nathan Peterman yeah, the uh, it was funny. We talked the Bills last week. You know, they're playing the Bears. Their implied total is even lower. But the, you know, the big question last week in, in in DFS was, do you play the Bears defense? Do you pay up for them? Do you try and save there? They were fifty four hundred on FanDuel, and uh, I think the answer was uh, a resounding yes. They scored two touchdowns on defense. Yeah, that was a, a solid like chalk paying off maneuver. I mean, I I, yeah. I didn't have the money to pull it off because I was using Gurley everywhere. And as soon as I heard about that, I think it might have been in the first half they had both of those touchdowns too. Just shook my head. I'm like, yep, this is this is not going to be my week since I was nowhere near that Bears defense. Thanks to having Gurley. Yeah, there was uh, there were not many uh, big big winning lineups in the Bears defense. Uh, the Dolphins was were really good too. So if you did uh, if you did you know kind of swing there, uh, that worked well. The Dolphins against the Jets, but a lot of the other defenses that I liked, uh, I like Denver. I like the Chiefs. They were just uh, kind of middle of the road. You know, five or six points. Not uh, nothing to write home about that. That Bears D. If you if you missed the 28, I think it was on Fanduel. Uh, that really stung. Well, that would be, yeah, that'd be horrible. So uh, looking at this week, looking at the high over-under games, we have uh, we have Atlanta and Cleveland is 50.5, the Saints-Bengals 54, Redskins-Tampa 51.5, Cardinals-Chiefs at 50, uh, Chargers-Raiders 50.5, Seahawks-Rams at 50.5. So I actually mixed both. It's actually six games with 50 or higher. Uh, is there any one game, before we start going game to game, that really sticks out to you as the game you want to stack this week? 
This is one of those weeks where I'm trying to spread the risk around a little bit more as opposed to piling up a stack. And it's just because of the way it breaks down. There's there's enough favorable spots where I think you want to have exposure uh, across the board. Uh, One of the things, I mean, too, of of those spreads you mentioned, those over-under totals, some of these big total games are supposed to be lopsided. Like, they're high-scoring, but a lot of that production is coming from one side. And it kind of fits into this narrative where you have to see that underdog keeping it closer in order to actually follow through with that full game stack. I think the team that I'm... If I were going to do it, and I'm not planning on it right now, if I were going to stack an entire game, I think... Ram Seahawks is the game that I'd be most inclined to stack. Now, it's tricky because Chris right. Carson's dinged up right now. Doug Baldwin's been uh, a bit of a disappointment. But I think it's 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 still an offense at Seattle that people are generally staying away from. And this is, again, this is a big field tournament sort of approach. It's not, not something I would recommend in any other sort of uh, format. But I, I'm looking at Seattle as one of those teams that might be able to keep that game a little closer than the line. And the Rams had that big game against the Saints last week and lost. I think they're going to come back and win. I just think Seattle is one of those teams that people are overlooking a little bit on the offensive side of the ball, in part because they've been spreading it around so much. That's uh, that's a pretty good one. I like I like the thinking on that one. Mine would probably be Atlanta and Cleveland. If Cleveland could hang in this game at all, you know, Atlanta last week I was a little worried about Matt Ryan on the road. He blew that narrative out of the water, made me look bad on that one. He had 350 yards of four touchdowns against the Redskins. But if Cleveland can score a little bit and the Atlanta defense is still banged up, they're getting a little more healthy now. I think Deion Jones is almost back. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to play this week or uh, the following week. But if Cleveland could hang in there and get in the you know the mid-20s, I think that game could get pretty, uh, pretty spicy pretty fast. Yeah, I think that game's a lot safer to stack compared to the, the Rams-Seattle game. I mean, I think there's yeah. a lot of different ways to attack it. Uh, Atlanta struggled against slot receivers, so a guy like Jarvis Landry, you know, a high-volume player who has had a few decent games this year, but has been dealing with a lot of garbage production. I like him quite a bit this week. Uh, I don't think you have to necessarily stay away from Nick Chubb if you want to attack the running game, but I'd be more inclined to go out Cleveland pass catchers, most specifically Landry and David Njoku. I know people are frustrated right now with Njoku, but he still has a pretty stable role, and he can just do so much after the catch. That's, that's the thing that keeps kind of popping to me is just how effective he is with the ball in his hands. Uh, I got to see where he's at with his knee injury. I think he was limited in practice on Wednesday, but it doesn't look like anything that's going to impact him too much. You go over these last few weeks, 5, 6, 12, 10, 7 for the targets over the last five games. Those are the five games that Baker Mayfield has started. So I just think that floor with David Njoku is still pretty high, and he brings you the upside necessary to also go off and help you bring down a tournament if he ends up getting one of those long TDs. Yeah, I really liked Landry last week and talked about him on the pod. And he just, I like the matchup, you know, with with Kansas City. They they usually give up uh, give up some yards in the passing game, and I knew they were going to score a lot of points. I just thought that it was going to be a, a heavy action game, and it was just a little disappointing. I think he had seven targets. He had six catches, fifty yards. So he didn't kill you if you played him, but um, I would have guessed on a lot more than seven targets from the amount of snaps he played for how much they were trailing that whole game. So I like Landry again this week for the same reason. But uh, you know, I admit I'm a little hesitant after last week. I really, really liked him, and he he was kind of a letdown. Yeah, the floor is lower than it should be for a player getting that many targets, but I think this matchup right. against Atlanta raises that floor more than matchups have the last few weeks. I think the, the most similar game that they've played recently to what they get this week in Atlanta is the road matchup they had against the Bucks a few weeks ago. Landry got 15 targets in that game, caught 10 passes for 97 yards and a TD. Um, I think he's still cash-viable more because of the matchup this week than because of the target volume. I think going past this week, it's going to be more of a week-by-week thing where we had to downgrade those expectations. But I'm so frustrated because I thought Jarvis Landry was going to get used 
uh, in different sorts of ways. He's got this low-efficiency, high-volume thing going on, much like he did last year in Miami. And when you consider that Baker Mayfield is and should be a lot better than the quarterbacks that Landry was playing with throughout his time in Miami, that's disappointing. I I thought with Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator, we'd see Landry push up to 7.5, 8 yards per target again, and that just hasn't been the case so far. Yeah, and it seemingly was the case the first couple of weeks, and it's definitely they've definitely gone away from that. So hopefully they get back to it. Um, we always talk about in the overall slate. Are there any any obvious uh, kind of chalk running back plays you you see this week? I don't really see any that uh, you know guys who are falling into jobs because of injury or someone who's you know has hasn't been a, their price adjusted quite yet. Um, there's some guys in the six thousands I like this week, but there, is there anybody that jumps out to you as like, oh, that's the you know kind of the automatic free bingo square at running back where you start your cash lineups with? I don't see that player. I think the closest thing to it might be Deion Lewis right now because he's priced down quite a bit because Tennessee is a, a touchdown dog at home and you know, he, he out-touched Derrick Henry by a wide margin in that Monday game against the Cowboys. So I think the, the game script's very favorable. The price is very favorable. Uh, but it's not because of you know Henry's absence or anything like that. Henry's supposed to be out right. there like usual. So it's not an, uh, not an odd sort of circumstance. The... Chris Carson hip injury is one that I'm watching closely because I think Mike Davis could become that sort of player. Uh, he's only 5,800 right. over on FanDuel. Haven't seen his price yet on DraftKings. I'll have to pull it up momentarily. But you know, the Rams are are good defense, but they're not elite against the run. And I think if you're just concentrating a lot of volume on a player like Davis, one who's actually been uh, on the field catching more passes than I expected. He had eight targets last week against the Chargers, caught seven passes for 45 yards. I think that brings him into the conversation if Chris Carson can't go because of that hip injury. He's uh, he's 4,300 on DraftKings, so definitely comes into play there if Carson doesn't play. But Davis is a weird guy. We all have those players, I think, that you know, as we're flipping around or tuning in games or watching the red zone that that kind of jump out to you. Whenever whenever it seems like I'm watching and Mike Davis touches the ball, he looks good to me. And I don't know. Obviously, that's uh, you know, I don't watch enough Seattle where I see every single snap and I see his numbers and you know, it's nothing that explosive over the last three weeks. But last week he looked really good against the Chargers. You mentioned the eight targets. Uh, he's or, he's someone that definitely sticks out to me. If Carson doesn't play. And you mentioned this game flow in this game. If they get behind in this game and they start to use him out of the backfield again, uh, he becomes really interesting, especially on DraftKings with with a full-point PPR. Yeah, you get four or five catches on top of 15-plus carries. I mean, a 20-touch week for under 4,500 is a a really nice value play. So that's kind of the the injury situation that we know about right now that I'm keeping a close eye on as we get closer to the end of the week. And, And maybe something else will pop up. Maybe something that looks minor now ends up becoming more serious. And by Friday afternoon, we'll have some other running backs we can pick on. But it does seem lighter than usual as far as your your obvious backups getting run opportunities go. Cool. So let's jump into a uh, game by game, starting with the uh, the 10 a.m. Pacific games. Uh, we mentioned the the Bills, the Jets over unders 37. Uh, if Josh Allen doesn't play, there's not anyone in this game that's over six thousand dollars on FanDuel. I usually mention under seven thousand. I've never seen one where there's nobody under six over six thousand. Yeah, I can't recall that happening before. Maybe there's been some late season ugly game where it has, but right. I kind of want nothing to do with either side of this. I mean, you have Quincy Inunua and and Robbie Anderson maybe being interesting tournament darts because of Josh McCollum being under center for the Jets, but I I don't like that. I don't know who's going to match up most with Tredavious White. Uh, I think you scale down Jermaine Curse a little bit this week. Nothing really makes sense about this game, and with there being 10 other options on the main slate, I think you want to choose your spots carefully. There's no reason to subject yourself to this game unless you're trying to do something ultra-contrarian in tournaments, and even then... The distribution of touches, the efficiency of the players on both sides are so erratic that I just don't think you want to go down that path. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess if you were going to look at it, the one guy is maybe uh, Isaiah Crowell, but he's just so inconsistent. And Elijah McGuire got uh, got a decent amount of action last week, played 36 snaps, had 10 touches. So I think, like you said, the distribution of, of, of touches uh, kind of keeps me away there. He is cheap on Fando. He's only 5,400. Nice game script with them, you know, seven-point favorite uh, at home against the Bills. But like you said, with 10 other games and a lot of them, uh, you know, looking good from an over-under perspective, I just I just think I fully stay away here. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to watch this game, and I don't want to have to see how my players are doing in it. You won't even see it on on red zone that much. I mean, it, this, no. this game will be a ghost. And and ever since that 200 yard performance against Denver back in Week Five, Crowell's had double digit carries in each of the last four games. But he had 40, 29, 25, and 49 yards under four yards a carry in all those games. 3.1 or less in three of those four games. You mentioned McGuire with the pass catching role. As cheap as Crowell is, I, I don't even see it. I, I think the upside's really capped because if Josh Allen plays, the Bills might actually be able to keep this game reasonably respectable and while that would help Crowell I just I don't see them just rolling over either I, I think this is a team they feel like they can beat yeah and if Allen doesn't play then I suppose the Jets D comes into play 4,900 on Fanduel. they had four sacks last week against the Dolphins and like we mentioned earlier the Bills are just a mess on offense they have eight offensive touchdowns all year uh, they have three passing touchdowns all year I mean they pretty much do in a season what Patrick Mahomes does in one game yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the that's the play, too. Keep an eye on the Jets if Peterman were to go. But if Allen's playing, the price is high enough where you're probably going to pay down a little bit more for your defense. Yeah, so let's move on to some more interesting games. We have uh, we mentioned earlier we have the uh, Falcons at the uh, at the Browns. Atlanta's a four point favorite over under a fifty and a half in this game. Starting on the Falcons side, uh, you know Matt Ryan first couple road games had really struggled. He's only kind of bad games he had. Like I said, he blew that out of the water last week. Three hundred fifty yards, four touchdowns in Washington. He has three hundred fifty plus yards in five of his last six games. This offense is really starting to fire on all cylinders right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, Julio scored even last week. Like, <laughs> yeah, whoa, he did. Like, hey, what's going on here? Like, that, that's pretty amazing. The interesting thing about this game for me is like the Browns, as far as what they give up fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, are, are more like a middle of pack team. But with Atlanta being as good as they are, I don't really have any concerns about Ryan at all. I think he's a, a viable cash game play this week. You know, no question there. I like that. Atlanta continues to be so bad defensively. I think that props yep. up Ryan. It props up the entire offense. Uh, and I think Cleveland is good enough to move the ball against Atlanta's broken down defense. So I just think this sets up really favorably. The Vegas line kind of confirms that with it being a four and a half point spread favoring the Falcons on the road. I don't think anyone's really looking at Cleveland and saying they're going to completely boat raced here. Uh, we saw with the with the firing of Hugh Jackson, uh, Duke Duke Johnson was way more involved last week. Yep. Do you expect that to continue? Is that going to be one of the big changes on offense going forward? Because I, I thought Duke would have been more involved from the start. It seemed like he was one of Hugh's guys all along, and his role in the passing game was a lot smaller most weeks than I would have expected before he got the, that nine target, or nine catch rather, on nine target, 78 yard and two touchdown game last week. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much of that is game script related. Obviously, they were trailing Kansas City pretty much the whole the whole game pretty pretty significantly last week. So it'd be interesting though this week. I mean, same kind of thing. Atlanta really good offense, but you got to get Duke Johnson involved. I mean, he, I just I don't get when he's not involved. And the nice thing was that the Nick Chubb still was really involved. He had 22 carries last week, even in a game they were trailing. Um, you know, I think they at some point they have to realize that their three best weapons are Chubb, Johnson, and Jarvis Landry, uh, and some some David and Joku also. But I think you have to figure out a way to use him. Uh, I don't trust Duke Johnson enough in, in a FanDuel setup where you get a half point, but in, in DraftKings where you get a full point per catch, if they're going to be trailing this game, whole game and dumping it down to him, he he becomes kind of an interesting play there. Yeah, I like him kind of as a flex fill 
at that yeah. point. He doesn't carry the ball much, but if you're if you're the Browns, you're trying to build an offense around Baker Mayfield that gives him a better chance of being successful right away. I think you do want to lean on some shorter passes, which you have. You have that. You have Njoku as a great tight end. You have Landry who can run the shorter routes. You have Johnson out of the backfield. Johnson out of the slots an option as well. And you can run the ball a lot with Nick Chubb. You can really concentrate most of your touches you know, on those players and, and not worry about taking a lot of shots downfield for the short term. I think that can work for this offense. I think those players are dynamic enough to pull that off. It seems crazy to me that Nick Chubb didn't top 11 snaps through the first six weeks of the season. Well, you can you can thank Hugh for that. But, uh, I mean, since then, super active. So do you like Chubb this week? I mean, we talked about game script, and uh, this is not a huge spread game, but you could see Atlanta scoring a couple touchdowns early and kind of putting some pressure on Cleveland to catch up and throw the ball. Uh, Chubb's only 6,700 on FanDuel right now. The touches are definitely there, 18, 18, and 22 carries the last three weeks. Um, I just wonder to go off, you know, do they need a close game or maybe a lead to, to really kind of eat some carries down the stretch? Uh, really nice price, obviously talented. Hasn't topped 100 yards yet, but you, know, you could see it kind of. Oh, I guess he had 100 yards in that, in that Oakland game where he had the three carries. But in the last three weeks, uh, hasn't gone above 85 yards. Do you, do you see Chubb as someone that's usable this week? I think he's usable, but I think he's more of a tournament play than a cash game play because he's so game script dependent. You know, I think it, it's easy for him to disappear. If if the Browns were to go down 14 nothing in the first quarter, if they were down three scores going into halftime, you could see Chubb kind of erased from the game plan in the second half. And I think any player like that, for me, tends to fall more into the GPP mindset uh, because you, you want certainty, especially on DraftKings. You, you want the guy that can catch some passes to fall back on that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's sort of like we said with Isaiah Crowell. I know Chubb's a much more talented player than Isaiah Crowell. There's a game script dependency with Nick Chubb that still exists. And as his price rises, it just becomes increasingly difficult to lean on him in cash, even though he's an extremely talented player. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. I think for me, he's an interesting tournament guy just because I think that this game stays a little closer than it, than uh, maybe some people do. Um, you know, I think Cleveland's going to score enough to keep in the game and where it won't be uh, something where he's game scripted out. So uh, I do like him this week. What about the other side of the ball in the running back? Tevin Coleman kind of finally looked like himself last week. Uh, I, I mentioned on the podcast last week, he kind of looked like he was he was slow. They weren't really using him well. It seemed like they intentionally were using him last week to get him in space. He had seven targets. They were trying to game plan a little bit more for Tevin Coleman than they had in the weeks before that. And he, uh, he obviously rewarded them really well. Um, you know, the touches are still not great. He only had 18 last week, but was super effective with them. I like when they split him up kind of a, you know, some running, some catching. I think he becomes more effective in their offense that way. Yeah, he's good out in space. I think that's a, a big thing for me with Tevin Coleman. Edo Smith's not going to go away completely, uh, but because right. he can catch some passes, I think Coleman is fairly safe. He's only 5,400 on DraftKings. There's a pretty big difference in the price Ooh, that on is him big, between yeah. the two sites. Like, I, I like him on DraftKings as a cash play. Um, I, I don't think I'd necessarily lean on him in cash in FanDuel quite as much. At least if I did, I'd have less exposure. 7,300 on, on FanDuel is, is okay, not great, but when you could get Leonard Fournette for 300 less in his first game back off that injury, when you could get David Johnson in a game where Arizona's going to have to probably throw it 35 or 40 times at 6,900. I think the other backs price just below him on FanDuel make it really easy to kind of look away from him since he's up at 73. So you mentioned uh, David Njoku on the, on the Cleveland side of the ball. You know, interesting. He had that, he had that one zero target week that was kind of out of nowhere, but you know, over 50 yards in the last five games, except for that one. So he's been really consistent except for that weird kind of outlier game. Uh, 5,400 on FanDuel. Tight end's tough again this week. If you go up to Travis Kelsey, you know, he's a, I think he's at 8,000 this week. You can go there. But as you, as you get lower, it, it kind of gets tough with tight end. Zach Ertz is out on the main slate. 
Gronkowski's questionable again. If you don't go with Kelsey, uh, Njoku's kind of one of those guys that jumps out to me as uh, someone I like to play in that mid-tier. Yeah, I, I continue to lean on Njoku now that O.J. Howard's price is moving up a little bit. Uh, I think when you're trying to save at tight end, it absolutely makes sense to to go that route. I think he's one of the best week-to-week values. That outlier game against Pittsburgh, it doesn't scare me that much. I mean, that was Hugh's last stand. With Hugh being right. gone now, I just think Njoku is, is much safer with that six-plus target role week in and week out. If Maurice Harris can get 125 yards on this uh, on this defense, Jarvis Landry has to do something, right? He has to get at least 80. <laughs> if he's getting a similar number of targets, if, if Harris goes over 100, Landry has to get 80. I think we're looking for a game like the one he had against Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we, we, imagine we joke about Maurice Harris' game, but I mean, the week before that, uh, Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard uh, combined for 210 yards. So Atlanta is definitely gettable, uh, gettable on defense. It's just a matter if uh, if Baker can have a good game. Uh, like I said, this is probably my favorite game to stack. But uh, moving on to the next interesting game, uh, actually, the, I think the highest over-under uh, on the day, actually it is, it's the uh, Saints going to Cincinnati. Saints off the huge win over the Rams in the Superdome. Uh, Four-and-a-half-point favorites going to Cincinnati, over-under at 54 uh, what do you do with the Saints offense? Obviously, they're different than they're on, at home on the road, but still a ton of weapons. Uh, how are you attacking someone from New Orleans here if you want to play some guys? You know, the Bengals are surprisingly bad against the pass, and I think that yep. really opens up a, a lot here. I mean, I think you can go with like a Breeze-Thomas combo if you're looking to pay up and, and kind of do something that might be a little bit different. I think people are going to try to save at quarterback again, and, and the Saints might be lower owned than they should be in this spot. So I'm pretty intrigued by pairing those two together. It's a matter of whether or not you can get enough other, you know, mid-range and cheap pieces you like around them. But the Breeze Thomas pairing is one that I'm definitely thinking about this week, given the setup here, given that the Bengals have a good enough offense to potentially keep this game uh, close. I mean, AJ Green's absence is a big deal because it puts Marshawn Lattimore in a position to match up more with Tyler Boyd. And I think it forces the Bengals to rely a lot more on John Ross than they would maybe want to with him coming off a groin injury. So I'm a little worried about the Bengals collapsing if they struggle to run the ball. You mentioned earlier the Saints have been so good against the run this year. If the Bengals can't get Joe Mixon going early, I think I think the Saints could build up a pretty quick early lead and really kind of force the Bengals' hand throughout this one. What are you doing with Tyler Boyd? He's 7,800 on FanDuel, only 200 less than Green would have been if Green were playing. Do you see anything there value-wise for Tyler Boyd, or are you kind of staying away because his his matchup just got a lot tougher? It's funny because once I saw that Green was out, I'm like, oh, well, Tyler Boyd's going to be chalked this week. Everybody's going to have him. And then you look, and he's 7,500 on DraftKings and 7,800 on FanDuel. So, uh, you know, not an easy, cheap play at all. And I think he's going to get a ton of targets, and he's going to get a ton of looks. But at 7,800, I think there's just other names around there that I that I trust more, that I like more, that I think have more upside. So, you know, Boyd played was awesome his last game, 9 for 138 and a touchdown. Really nice game script. If they're trailing, got to throw the ball the whole second half. It's really good. But And the Saints, you know, Saints pass defense. We talked about the run defense is good, but the pass defense not so good. I just think uh, 7,800 is a bit too much for me on Tyler Boyd. I might regret it, but uh, I think there's just other guys in that range I like more. Yeah, that's what it came down to to me, too. I, I just see some of the players. I mean, on DraftKings, Keenan Allen is cheaper at 7,100. Uh, Mike Evans, whose usage has been a little goofy. Actually, the, the catch rate's been low the last few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of interesting because he's cheaper. You know, the Rams receivers, Cooks and Woods and Cup, all uh, under 7K. Like, and, and then Landry, like all those guys just make just as much, if not more sense to me this week than Tyler Boyd does. So I'm really curious to see what his ownership rate turns out to be, but I don't think I'm on him at all in this matchup. Is there another Cincinnati receiver that maybe is cheaper that you think might uh, be able to pay off with A.J. Green out? 
I want to say it's John Ross, but I'm really kind of scared off by him. I, I don't, yeah. you know, Alex Erickson's kind of more of like a return guy. I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, maybe this could be a week where CJ Uzoma is a little bit dinged up right now. So we'll see what his status is going into Sunday. He was limited in practice on Wednesday because of a, a clavicle injury. So we'll see if he goes, maybe they'd funnel more targets to the tight end this week. And, and Uzoma would be the beneficiary of that. I think it's 3,900 on DraftKings. I think you gotta probably play uh, at least a lineup with John Ross in it. I mean, with the uh, with the vacated targets with AJ uh, with this game script, uh, 3,900 on DraftKings. I think he makes a lot of sense there. He's up to 5,400 on Fanduel, so um, you know, not a must play there. But I think you gotta have. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting. Uh, obviously, super risky. He could get three targets and catch one ball, but you know, he get a couple. He'll get a couple deep looks. You got to think at thirty nine hundred on DraftKings. I, I'm intrigued, but like you said, I'm a little worried too. I mean, it's it's tournaments only. Like it it be yeah, uh, for sure for some, sure. something that you're doing just to save some cash and you're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. But I I've been so hesitant based on how they've used him when he was healthy this year to get excited about him because I don't want to be disappointed again. Like I, I think he's an right. interesting <laughs> prospect. He's a burner, but they just don't put him in positions to let him do his thing and that's really frustrating so on the Saints side we talked about uh, you talked about Brady's talked about Michael Thomas Thomas is obviously a monster last week my favorite stat on Thomas he now has 79 targets he has 70 catches so he has he has nine targets he hasn't caught that's as many as Mike Evans had last week <laughs> oh man Winston it's impossible Winston and Fitz man like just I, I don't know how how a guy like Mike Evans could have a catch rate so low? He is a huge target. How do they not hit him more often? Eight eight of those were deemed uncatchable in the stat I saw. So only of those ten, two of them were catchable. That's it, it. Seems impossible. That's that's like almost as bad as uh, you know the John Skelton year for Larry Fitzgerald, where like <laughs> Fitz disappeared, and we're like, what the heck happened to him? Why did he get so old so fast? Then we realized, like, wow, the quality of these targets is as bad as any targets we've ever seen ever in the NFL. It's been that bad. I, I know Ryan Fitzpatrick's not that level bad, but it's just surprising that a receiver that large could be getting so many targets. Like, how... What, they they must just overestimate his catch radius by three to five feet on every throw. Like <laughs> like in their heads, they must think that Mike Evans is like seven foot seven, and he's just like, he's going to catch every single thing you throw at him if they're missing him by that much. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty wild stat. And, you know, Evans obviously popular last week, and there were what there were like seventy points scored in that game or whatever it was. But um, very uh, very very odd game for Evans last week. But on the Saints. Uh, you look at the at the the running side. If we think that maybe the Saints, uh, you know, we talked about Cincinnati uh, with the, the AJ Green injury might not be they're not full strength. Maybe get behind in this game. Kamara is eighty eight hundred, obviously off the big three touchdown game last week against the Rams. Mark Ingram sixty eight hundred for two thousand dollars less. Do you can you see a way where you know maybe Ingram is the play here? Maybe they try and get him a little more involved. Game script worked out for him. He only had ten touches last week in a a back and forth high scoring game. Does this feel like more of a Mark Ingram type game than last week was? I think so. I mean, I think this is this is the kind of game where you get him maybe at low ownership. You get him against the Bengals defense, giving up uh, over four point nine yards per carry to opposing backs this season. The price break compared to Kamara is really nice, and the game script does line up favorably. I think when everything's going right for the Saints, when they have the balance they want, Ingram's getting fourteen to sixteen carries, maybe even catching a pass or two out of the backfield. At that price, it's worth the risk. Um, I cash maybe is a little bit too, too much yeah. of a reach, but tournament wise, I'm very comfortable with Ingram at that price. 
And, I mean, the last two weeks, running backs against Cincinnati, and Peyton Barber was 19 for 85. Kareem Hunt was 15 for 86 in a touchdown. James Conner, 19 for 111 and two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey had 184 yards and then rushing. They, they're definitely gettable on the rush side of the ball. Um, uh, Kamara's uh, fully priced now, though. You know, he's gone up from last week. He was really popular last week after uh, not doing a ton. Back up to 8,800. Kamara has 31 rushes in the red zone, which is second in all of football, which is very impressive until you consider the first is Todd Gurley with 50. 50 inside the red zone. 50. That is yeah. insane. <laughs> That I mean, that, yeah, that's we, why he's such an outlier as far as the TDs go. Right, like he is getting so much more work in the red zone than everybody else. Like he can sustain a level that ordinarily is unsustainable. Anybody else in this game that you're interested in? Any uh, any Traquan Smith love with uh, maybe his last game with uh, starting with uh, with Des Bryant getting signed? Oh man, like I. I think the Traquan Smith thing's pretty interesting. The volume's been so inconsistent. I'm still leaning on him more as yeah. like a tournament dart. Um, probably not putting him in my first or second lineup, and I'm probably not playing so many variations where I'll have him this week. But if you want to use him, if you're a Traquan Smith truther, this is not a bad spot to take that shot. Yeah, I uh, I agree there. Uh, I'm I'm off Joe Mixon this week at 8,000 on Fanduel. I just think he's fully priced, and we mentioned the Saints run D. Uh, little game script scary too. You know, maybe uh, he doesn't get a lot of targets. If Gio Bernard is back, you know, maybe he steals those targets. Mixon doesn't really get used a lot in the passing game. I think at 8,000, I'm I'm looking at other options uh, on Fanduel there. Yeah, I agree with you. So Washington at Tampa, another game with an over-under over 50. It's 51.5. Tampa Bay is favored by three. So an interesting game from the fact that this is one of those games that low spread and a high over-under. We usually like those type of games. But um, starting on the Washington side, it's it's a little tough to find guys to use with the Redskins. I mean, Adrian Peterson is the most game-script-dependent guy we've maybe ever seen. He has three games under 20 yards rushing and five games over 95 yards rushing. He has nothing in between. It's really strange. They have a lot of injuries in the offensive line right now in Washington. Do you think that's enough to make Tampa's defense kind of play up this week and enable them to not only slow down Peterson, but maybe to get some pressure on Alex Smith as well if Tampa Bay is able to open up a lead and really force Washington to air it out? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's an interesting game. I guess it depends on what you think Tampa could do. And I, I think Tampa, you know, for all their issues and their minus 15 and ter- turnover differential, you know, the worst in the NFL, but they seem to find a way to, to, to rack up points, whether it's early or it's late. They, they seem to find a way to let up the scoreboard at some point during the game. I really like Mike Evans because the price is down. It's the second lowest price yeah. he's been at all season. He was 6,700 on DraftKings back in week one. He's 7,000 flat. I don't care about the matchup against Josh Norman. I mean, they Evans is big. Like he's just one of those guys that he can get off the he can get off the line. He, he can be a dominant red zone force. Like there's enough there to go after him. Uh, he does have a, a knee injury. He didn't practice Wednesday, so you got to keep a close eye on that. That's where things could get really interesting. You know, if Mike Evans were to miss a game and open up his target share for a lot of other players, that's where you get a ton of value in Tampa Bay. But even Evans himself is is priced down a bit. A 7500 on FanDuel, I think that's a fair price to pay for him over there if this knee injury turns out to be nothing by the end of the week. Yeah, and I mean, we talk about, you talk about Josh Norman, but Julio had 121 yards and a touchdown last week. Uh, Odell Beckham, 136 the week before. So stud receivers have been doing well against the Redskins. Uh, the Redskins have allowed 270-plus passing yards uh, all the last five weeks, two of which of those were 350-plus yards. They've given up 11 passing touchdowns the last five weeks. So this Redskins defense has been, uh, you know, giving up some stuff in the pass game. With that said, any love for Ryan Fitzpatrick at all this week? 
If I have it, it is for DraftKings because <laughs> he's 5,900 over there, and it just yeah. doesn't impact your cap quite the same way as it does on FanDuel. I think relative to the other quarterbacks, I feel a little better about him at that price. Uh, but yeah, you could you could probably get away with a Fitzpatrick-Evans combo. I, I don't know. We were talking about stackable games earlier. I don't know what I would do if I were trying to stack back against them. I mean, Doxon, maybe at 4,300 on DraftKings. Like, I don't even know if that's... A direction I'd want to go. Jamison Crowder hasn't played in, in weeks. He didn't practice on Wednesday, so his status is still very much up in the air. I, I think this is a game where you're kind of concentrating mostly on the Tampa Bay side, even though Washington could find a way to hang around a little bit. It's funny. I, I tried to find that exact answer. I tried to figure out who I liked in the passing game, and it's hard. I mean, Alex Smith has you know one game over 300 yards, and that took 46 throws. He hasn't thrown t- three touchdowns in a game yet. So you try and find upside here, and it's just kind of spread all over the place. Doxon's probably the receiver I'd go with if I want to take somebody who's under 5000 on FanDuel. You mentioned the DraftKings price. He has been involved, though. 23 targets over the last four weeks. Uh, hasn't topped 50 yards, though, so you're pretty much really touchdown dependent. Same with Jordan Reed. He has 18 targets the last two weeks. So really involved, but... You look at those lines, 7 for 38, 4 for 34. So if you're playing PPR, uh, maybe Jordan Reed at uh, at his price uh, makes a little bit of sense, but he hasn't scored since week one. All these Redskins, I mean, you're, you're so touchdown dependent, you're just not going to get that huge blow-up yardage game, it looks like. Reed is probably the guy that makes the most sense, I mean, especially on DraftKings at 4,400. You get the full point for every catch, yeah. and the price is low. The Bucks have given up the second most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends this season. They're allowing a 77.4% catch percentage to tight ends. So could be the matchup that Alex Smith feels best about this week, kind of winning inside with Jordan Reed instead of taking those shots on the outside to uh, you know, less talented pass catchers. So I think that's where I would go if I'm trying to sneak somebody in on the Washington side as part of a game stack. And I don't, I don't know if Reed in tournaments as a standalone play from this game is probably fine as well. I think he'll be somewhat popular, but not at all enough to where you want to have to fade him based on ownership rate. Yeah, I agree there. One of the guys that I missed last week badly on the pod was Adam Humphreys. Uh, I noted a stat that uh, he was much better with Jameis Winston than, than Ryan Fitzpatrick. That blew up, obviously. Um, he had a huge week last week with the two touchdowns. He has 15 catches the last two weeks. He's tied for seventh in the NFL in targets the last three weeks. He has eight, 10, and eight over the last three weeks. Uh, do you buy this keeping on? Do you not see this keeping on? What the heck do you do with Adam Humphreys now that uh, now he had a good game with Ryan Fitzpatrick? I, I still look at this as a pecking order that favors Mike Evans as the one. I think O.J. Howard is right. kind of quietly becoming their number two in that offense at the tight end spot. I love O.J. Howard. And then I just think it's like a three-man battle every week where they're going to mix and match. Like if there's a, a plus matchup in the slot, then Adam hum- Humphreys is going to get his. If there's something they can get on the outside opposite Evans, then it's going to be one of Jackson or Godwin. It's just the the downside of them having everybody healthy right now is that behind Evans and Howard, the fluctuations for the other three guys week-to-week target-wise can be pretty extreme, and it kind of just pushes them all into GPP consideration. Even though Humphreys is more of like a slot receiver, you would ordinarily want to play a guy who's that cheap in cash games. I think he's still kind of volatile because of the presence of Goodwin, Godwin and Jackson, and I worry more about Jackson with Fitzpatrick playing than I did with Winston. I I think Jackson kind of disappears a little more when Jameis Winston is starting. He tends to show up more, tends to be more involved with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Maybe it's because Fitzpatrick pushes the ball downfield a little more, but that's the little wrinkle that I've noticed, you know, over the last year and change when Fitz has been in there as opposed to Jameis Winston. 
Yeah, I mean Jackson was Jackson was a monster those first three games of the season when he was he was really clicking with Fitzpatrick. So I, I do like that too, especially if, like you said, if Evans doesn't play. You mentioned O'Day Howard, uh, interesting guy. He does a lot with his targets. He's he's priced up now. He's sixty five hundred on Fanduel. Uh, he's only been over six targets twice on the season, but he's topped fifty yards every single week. Aside that one game, he got hurt early on, but uh, just super super efficient with his targets. He's at eleven point eight yards per target, which leads all starting tight ends. So anyway, it's, uh, I think it's over twenty five targets as as a uh, he's leading that stat. But uh, just you know, he doesn't get a ton of volume, but it gets gets enough every single week. He's there. He scored twice last week. Uh, I really like OJ Howard, one of my favorite season long tight ends. He's a little bit priced up on Fanduel this week at sixty five hundred. But uh, if you think this game goes back and forth, he's a guy that uh, if you're not going to play Travis Kelsey, uh, I think OJ Howard's probably my second favorite tight end this week. Yeah, Kelsey is tricky this week. He's seven K flat on DraftKings. Rob Gronkowski status up in the air against the Titans. He's fifty six hundred, and then Howard's the third most expensive tight end. Yeah, on the main slate the at 5,300. Only three over 5,000 right now. You go below that and you're looking at Jared Cook and Jimmy Graham and Jordan Reed we just talked about. Doyle kind of sharing with Ebron and Joku. It, it's getting messy again at tight end. And, and one thing that's been messing with this all year has been good tight ends getting pulled off of the main slate. You know, Ertz yep. uh, on the Sunday night game, Kittle on the Monday night game, uh, Greg Olson kind of trending back into a level where people are starting to trust him again. He's not there. Vance McDonald's gone, too. Like Even Vance McDonald, one of those GPP guys that people have been throwing in, all those guys are off the main slate again, and I think that's what's what's killing us right now at the tight end position. Yeah, and I mean, you even you didn't even mentioned Evan Ingram, who who's playing Monday night against the 49ers, so another one that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. on top of that. But uh, I think Howard's interesting just because he's priced up. I wonder that I don't think his percentage can be very high. If you're going to play up, you're going to go to Kelsey. If you're going to play down, you're going to go probably to probably to Doyle, probably to Jordan Reed. I think Howard might get lost in the middle there, even off the two-touchdown week. I, I don't think he's going to be high percentage. And maybe interesting, if you can find a way to get extra, the extra 1,000 to play him, I think he pays off in a game that should be pretty back and forth. Yeah, I think Jimmy Graham's going to be pretty popular on DraftKings. He's 4,600, yeah, averaging too. seven or so targets over the last four games. Uh, you know, Without Geronimo Allison, maybe he gets some of the target share that doesn't go to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, so I think Graham's going to be the... I don't want to pay the tax on OJ Howard. I'm going to pay down a little bit. Like default option for a lot of people this week. Yeah, I uh, I fully agree there. Uh, next game we got New England headed to uh, Nashville face the Titans. New England is favored by six and a half on the road. Over under forty six and a half. Uh, Tom Brady's interesting right now. He only has one touchdown in the last two weeks, but he averaged over 300 yards in those games. He's over 275 yards passing yards in the last five weeks. They just haven't been getting passing touchdowns the last couple weeks. I think that probably uh, evens out here as we go forward. Uh, what do you like with the Patriots offense this week? Uh, Rob Gronkowski is questionable again. Uh, I believe the Patriots have a bye next week, so you got to be thinking in the back of their head, maybe just keep him out until the bye. Uh, he hasn't been super involved when he played anyway. I think he has like one or two red zone targets all year long. Uh, Josh Gordon blew up last week. James White has been a monster. What do you do with this Pats offense right now? I, I mean, I think Edelman's really safe. He's either gone over 70 yards or he's scored in each of the last four games, so the target volume's consistent. Nice. His role's really clear. just seems like he's very stable right now. Uh, with Gronk, if Gronk's out, I think that just funnels more targets to Gordon and Edelman. I, I think it'd be really smart to just go ahead and, and sit him for another week. If he plays, he's down at 6,900 on FanDuel, so that's a little bit of a discount. That could be appealing. I think I'd be leaning on him only in tournaments, though. I, I just think the possibility of him being utilized less than usual, if something gets tweaked, getting pulled early, that's legitimate risk. The interesting thing for me with the Patriots is Sony Michel. If he's back from his knee injury, I think he gets 15-plus touches in this game. 
I think that makes Corderell Patterson just kind of a, an extra piece, a guy that might touch the ball a half dozen times or so. But if Sonny Michel were to miss this game, Corderell Patterson is very affordable. He's 4700 on FanDuel, and he just looks really good as a running back. And you can sneak him in as one of your three receivers or as a cheap flex. Like, so the Sonny Michel health is, is the thing I'm keeping a very close eye on. And just like you said with Gronk, they may decide, you know what? We really like this guy. He's a big part of our plan. Let's go into Tennessee without him. Let's run Corderell Patterson again, health permitting. He's got a little neck injury that limited him on Wednesday. But I just think that could actually play out that way. I think this could be the the obvious cheap guy that we didn't necessarily have when we were talking at the top if things break the right way with Sonny Michelle's availability. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you mentioned Sony Michelle, and I think that the Patterson point is really interesting. But if you look at James White, you know James White has 81 targets and 61 catches already this year? It's insane. Yeah, he, I mean, he's really over, t- over that... 20 points on FanDuel each of the last three games. Yeah, and it, it, they just use him so much in the passing game. He has uh, he has seven-plus targets every game but one. I mean, he's like a, a legit like wide receiver one in terms of the, the target share. It's it's wild. And they use him in the red zone as a, as, a, as a receiver, too. They really like him kind of matching up against a linebacker, and they put him in motion, and all of a sudden he's open in the end zone. Uh, he's up to 7,800 on FanDuel now. You obviously only get to half point per catch there. Do you do you think about playing James White? I mean, he feels like if Sony Michelle plays, I, I think it's hard to play him. You're relying on a passing touchdown, but he's so involved in a good, a good, really good offense with a great quarterback that really likes using him. I mean, he becomes interesting every week. I just I haven't found spots to play him in DFS, and it's hurt me. Yeah, he's had double digit fantasy points on FanDuel every single week all season. Like that's just it's wild. He was so good, and he started the year. He was a four thousand dollar player back in week one. <laughs> Reached five thousand for the first time in week four. Got up over 6K in, in week five and now uh, has, has kind of just pushed his way up into the 7,000s as a, a regular staple at that price. I, I think people are still afraid to use him, believe it or not. I do too. Like, I still think there's yeah. there's this hesitation that, well, he's not quite Deion Lewis, but they're kind of using him like a modified Deion Lewis, where they're giving him even more in the passing game and then just a little less as a runner. But he's had double-digit carries in two of the last three games as well. Like that's Yep. Hasn't done a ton with those carries from a yardage standpoint, but he's scored three rushing TDs the last two games. I think he's safer than people realize. And like you, I'm kind of trying to figure out, okay, I like the player, but do I like him relative to other players at that price point? And on DraftKings, that's right. David Johnson at 6,800, Leonard Fournette for 1,000 less at 6,300. And I think the answer for me on DraftKings is no. I think on, on FanDuel... Marlon Max right behind him, Tevin Coleman's 500 behind him, Fournette's 800 behind him there. 
and David Johnson's almost a thousand behind him there. I think the same problem comes up on both sites where I just I talk myself into cheaper guys who I think have more upside, and maybe I'm just you know messing up myself with stupid biases that shouldn't even be in my mind. But I, I think that's what's steering me away from white as well. Is that I feel like I'm getting better value in that same tier by paying down for one of Fournette or David Johnson. So what about Josh Gordon? I mean, I watch the Patriots, and it seems like they're really trying to get him involved, almost to the point of forcing the ball to him. I mean, he had 10 targets last week. He had the long touchdown that we saw, uh, five catches, 130 yards, 6,700 on FanDuel. Pretty good price for a guy who's super involved right now in, in, in a really high-level offense. Love it if Gronk is out especially, just because of that target yeah. funnel. They're just not using tight ends enough. Uh, when Gronk is out, there's no backup that's being used as like a relevant part of the offense. Uh, especially on FanDuel at 6,700. I think that makes a lot of sense. Are you at the point now, based on that forcing him the ball approach, where you trust Josh Gordon in cash games? Because for weeks, it was GPP only for me because they were taking a lot of those shots downfield. They started to change up those routes probably three or four weeks ago now. Have you seen enough consistency from him in terms of the types of routes he's running and with the target volume to actually play him in cash? He's 6,000 flat on DraftKings and 6,700 flat on FanDuel. If uh, if Gronk does not play, uh, I, I do. I think that I like the way they're using him. He's not just a, you know, throw him the ball deep and see if he goes up and catches a 50-50 ball. They're using him more, some stuff underneath, some uh, some creative routes. Uh, I think if Gronk doesn't play at 6,700, uh, I really like Cooper Cup this week, and he's 6,500. I think he's actually mispriced this week. But uh, if I were to play, if I'm going to play two in that range, it'd probably be Cup and Gordon this week. Yeah, I, Cup is always interesting, especially on DraftKings, where you're getting that full point for every catch. And uh, he just has that rapport with Goff, has that steady role underneath, and, and gets a lot of red zone targets, too. That was always the thing that surprised me about Cooper Cup when I was looking back at what he did a year ago, is how often the Rams threw him the ball in close. And he's uh, he's a thousand bucks less than both Woods and Cooks this week, and I just I just don't get that at all. I think I think he's uh, I think he should be a thousand more than he is. I think he's gonna be a really high percentage. We'll talk to him at the Rams game. But I think he's gonna be super high percentage this week. Yeah, he probably probably will be with that big price break. That makes a lot of sense. Much bigger price break on Fanduel compared to those other two backs or two receivers rather than on DraftKings. So on the Tennessee side of the ball in this game, I mean, Deion Lewis uh, was really good last week. Uh, you know, everybody saw him on Monday night, which obviously. Always pumps up a guy's percentage next week when you have a good uh, a good primetime game. He's outsnapped Derrick Henry 104 to 38 over the last two weeks. I think it's pretty clear that they figured out that Deion Lewis is a a better player, b a better fit with Marcus Mariota, and c Derrick Henry might just not be very good. 23 touches last week, 155 and 122 yards uh, total yards in the last two weeks. He's clearly the best player on offense. He's only 5800 on FanDuel in a game where they're behind. How do you feel about Deion Lewis uh, this week at the price? Four or five catches seems like a, a reasonable expectation, plus double-digit carries, uh, efficiencies generally there. I'm surprised the Titans' offensive line hasn't made him a, a better per-carry back these last few weeks. Had a big per-carry number against the Chargers, but only 3.3 yards per carry against Dallas, uh, 2.8 against the Bills, 1.8 just to five carries in that shutout loss to the Ravens. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think the way the touches have been kind of pushed more towards Lewis these last few weeks, you have to think about locking him in, especially on DraftKings at 4,600. That's, that's a cash game viable running back in this game script, given the way he's being used in both facets, both as a runner and as a pass catcher. 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I really like him on, on both sides this week. 4,600 you mentioned on DraftKings, 5,800 on FanDuel. I think he's very playable uh, on both sides. I think the game script works out really well for him. I think they're going to be behind. He's going to get a lot of dump-off passes, and he's he's uh, you know enough juice that he can turn those little dump-offs into a long gain. Maybe a little extra motivation playing against the Patriots uh, might uh, might bump him even a little more. Uh, if you were to do anything else in the past game with Tennessee, uh, any interesting Corey Davis, 17 targets the last two weeks? That's where it would be, and I think Mariota missed him in the end zone Monday night as well. I think I remember seeing that happen in the second half, and it's like he's he's a really good player, and I think some of his lack of production this year comes from Mariota not being healthy earlier in the season. I mean, that, that nerve right. issue he was having on his elbow – Seems significant, uh, so I'm kind of willing to give him a pass. The price is low enough. I've seen him flagged as a cash game play some places. I think that's a little bit sketchy. The price is down enough where I, I guess that's where you're you're getting that. It's it's the targets per dollar essentially. Right. I like him a little more as a tournament play, and I think the problem is he's going to be a little chalkier as a tournament play. So uh, he's fine this week. I think the the setup is good, but I'm probably just going to focus on Deion Lewis as far as my exposure to the Tennessee offense goes. So moving on to the next game, we have Jacksonville and Indianapolis. And starting on the Jacksonville side, Indianapolis favored by three in this game, over under 46 and a half. You've mentioned him a couple times already as someone you like. Uh, you're going to have to sell me on Leonard Fournette this week. All right, so here's here's the thing with Leonard Fournette. Like, they gave him the extra time off. He has not played since the end of September. So it's been more than a month. They went ahead, gave him the full four weeks to get back from this leg injury. And the hamstring's been a problem for him before. Aside from like the foot, the ankle, that stuff too. But I believe that as a, a talent, he really belonged as as a top five back coming into the season. And you're getting a discount on him that is pretty significant. 7K flat on FanDuel is a lot less than we thought we'd be paying for Leonard Fournette in week 10 of the season. So you're getting a discount because of the time he missed. They have every reason. If they're trying to save their season right now, and I think they're in that that point where they have to start piling up some wins to push their way back into the playoff picture. He needs to be the centerpiece of that offense. And going on the road especially, we know Bortles has been garbage away from Duvall for most of his career. (laughs) You want to lean on Leonard Fournette. You want to give him maybe 20-plus carries this week. I just think the path to a lot of volume in a matchup that really isn't that scary is there. I don't see the Colts being good enough to put a huge lead up there and, and you know lead the Jags coaches to back off Fournette because the game's out of control or something like that. They just think there's a great setup here for Leonard Fournette, and the price is very favorable. Uh, so I'm definitely interested. Maybe you have to limit exposure because of, of the injury woes and how uh, just, the hamstring injury came back after just the two weeks. You know, he, he just didn't sit out long enough last time, but they gave him that extra rest. I think that's enough for me to be content to go ahead and build around him at this price. That's a uh, that's a good sell job, and I, I can totally see it. I I think that the injury risk just scares me to death with Fournette. You know, I just have this vision of you know you play him a bunch of spots in the second quarter. He you know sprints through and grabs his hammy and he's done. But I I think if he's fully healthy, it makes a lot of sense. I just think I would like to see him you know have 22 carries in a week before I stick him in my lineup. Uh, I I get it. this is going to be the one time where his price is going to be low, and you know maybe his percentage is, is pretty decent this week, but. I don't know. I think I want to see a full lo- full workload week before I put him in into any any like significant. I wouldn't play him in cash, and if uh, if it's a big tournament where I'm spending some money on, I don't think I can trust him either. I think for me, he's a kind of a low dollar dart kind of guy with the hope he plays a full game. But I think I want to see a full workload before I commit any money to him. I 
fully understand that. And if if you want to only use them as your big field, low entry cost GPP option, that's right. fine. Like I, I I totally get it. But this is this is one of those scenarios that might not repeat. If he comes out and and does have that yep. huge game this week, the price is going to be among the biggest risers on the entire board going into week eleven. Yeah, and it's not like you, you know, you're not scared of the Colts defense at all. So the it, the setup does make sense. The the, the on the road leaning on him makes sense. Uh, I think I'm just a little bit scarred by Fournette, but uh, maybe I need to get over that here in the next couple of days, and I'll I'll look into the injury status a little more. But anybody else on the Jacksonville side you like? Uh, Dante Moncrief has 17 targets the last two weeks, but you know hard to trust really guys in that passing game. They spread it around pretty good. Keelan Cole has been just a just a disaster. Can't catch the ball anymore. Uh, you know he had that great one-handed catch in Week One and hasn't had a good catch since. But uh, anything else on the Jacksonville side you look at besides Fournette? If I did add anybody else, it would be Moncrief, but I'm probably not doing it. And it's not really the revenge thing. It's that he, he does get a good number of his targets in the red zone. So uh, I think he becomes a guy that's a little more viable when they're in those situations. And the price is low. 5500 is really not bad, but there is a lot of week-to-week volatility in terms of how much he's used. So the Colts side's interesting. I mean, their offense has been firing pretty well, but you know the Jacksonville defense, it kind of comes down to what you think. Do you think that a, a bye week and them kind of regrouping uh, changes them? They've obviously struggled recently. Where do you fall on the Jacksonville defense right now? Because that's kind of the big question whether you play any Colts this week. I'm erring on the side of them getting back to being the team we expected them to be. Right. AJ Bouye might still be out, though. So I, I just wonder, are the Colts built with second and third receivers in a way where you think they can exploit the Jags having a weakness defensively in their secondary. And my lean is generally no. I mean, you're going to have Jalen Ramsey out there to help deal with T.Y. Hilton. That helps a lot. And then when they're leaning on a Chester Rogers and maybe a Dontrell Inman or a Ryan Grant, you're not really worried there. Do you believe the Jags linebackers are good enough in coverage to slow down the tight ends? I do. They've had some success against Gronk. Uh, so I, I look at Jacksonville as a team that comes out kind of with their backs against the wall, coming off the bye week. I think they're going to come out and play really well, especially on the defensive side of the ball this week. So you like uh, you like Jacksonville plus three then? I do. I uh, I really yeah. do. I mean, I think their their schedule is pretty easy in the second half. I was talking to John Helpin about that this morning. I think they they still have a chance to win the division, and, and the schedule is a big part of the reason why, and they have to keep that door open. They have to win on the road against Indy this week to kind of get that momentum started because they're they're reeling. They're on a four-game losing streak right now. I mean, they, they have definitely been embarrassed in, in a few different ways over the past month. So this is their opportunity to start to turn things around and really change the narrative of their season. I think the guy that uh, the one guy I might consider here, especially on DraftKings, is Jack Doyle. Uh, he was very involved his first game back. Seven targets, six catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, had a lot more action than Eric Ebron, who only played 17 snaps in that game. Did catch a touchdown, but I think with Doyle back, uh, Ebron becomes kind of the red zone guy. Doyle becomes the volume guy. So if I was going to play somebody, um, he is 4,300 on DraftKings. Uh, a pretty good, a pretty good chance at you know six, seven, eight catches, which is huge in the PPR there. I think if I'm playing somebody, it's probably Jack Doyle. Do you like Doyle or Njoku more with their prices being within a couple hundred dollars of each other on both sites? That's uh, that's a good one. I think I like Doyle for the floor, so probably Doyle is a cash game guy to me, and uh, Njoku is more the tournament guy to me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I was surprised at how much Ebron disappeared with Doyle's return yeah, me too. because of the receiving depth behind Hilton. I-, I thought they'd find a way to work in more two tight end sets, and maybe that's still to come, but uh, that was something I was kind of disappointed in after seeing uh, how much less Ebron played after Doyle's return. 
Are you a uh, are you a Marlon Mack believer? Last two games, nineteen for a buck twenty six against Buffalo, twenty five for one thirty two and two touchdowns at the Raiders. Jacksonville had a hundred yards to Lamar Miller in Week Seven, one hundred six to Zeke in Week Six. Uh, are you on Marlon Mack at all this week? No, I don't think so. I mean, the price has crept up, especially on FanDuel. I think on DraftKings, he's still reasonable at 6000 So if he gets to the practice week and everything's good to go, then maybe in a tournament I'd think about him. But Jags are still a little better than average as far as their overall run defense goes. And I think Naheem Hines is still there to snag some targets as well. So that, that kind of muddies up the situation. So I'd, I do believe in Max talent. I don't like this particular spot for him all that much at that price. That's uh, I agree there. Uh, moving on to the next game, we have a kind of an ugly one. We have a Detroit headed to Chicago. Detroit has really been struggling on offense uh, the last couple of weeks. Chicago's a six and a half point favorite, over under only forty four and a half. Only one guy on on Fanduel over seven thousand in this game. Uh, that's actually Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, believe it or not. But on the Detroit side, uh, Bears uh, Khalil Mack should be back this week. Bears defense obviously played really well last week. Is there anything you're doing with this Detroit offense? Matthew Stafford's under 220 yards in three of his last four. I didn't think we we haven't seen that in a long, long time. He always puts up stats, you know, if nothing else, even when the Lions are losing. Only three touchdowns once this year. He really struggled last week without Golden Tate, who obviously he's played with for multiple years. Uh, is there anybody on the Lions side that you want to play? Maybe maybe some Kenny Galladay. Galladay would be a tournament play only for me this week. I don't see a lot there in cash, and it's weird to say because Galladay is an extremely talented player. But you know, fifty one hundred on DraftKings. He's coming off a game where he was targeted just four times against Minnesota. That was a big surprise. Uh, even with Golden Tate gone, four one and two these last three games. Now I don't oh, know how much they're going to scale him up. I, I think part of it's the offense as a whole is sputtering. I wonder if they're going to miss Tate. In the weeks ahead, like it's hard to say just one game that they missed him, but he does have that rapport with Stafford. Not having him out there as kind of that safety option on the outside that changes things quite a bit, and it changes the coverages that Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay see as well. Um, I, the thing I'm wrestling with the most with this game, like I'm really trying to avoid the Detroit side entirely in DFS this week, is whether or not I think Detroit keeps it close enough to actually cover. I think the Bears are a touchdown favorite in this game, and something about that yep. seemed a little off to me but I couldn't pinpoint what exactly it was. I couldn't come up with a narrative in my head that was like, okay, this is how and why the Lions are going to you know, keep it closer than that. I, I, I just The number just didn't look right to me. I mean, I think it's just the Lions have been, have been struggling. I mean, the Lions looked terrible last week. Uh, they had that one game against the Patriots where they, you know, they killed the Patriots, and everybody was like, oh, the Lions are back, the Lions are good, and then it's been kind of ugly since. I mean, they, they, they looked bad last week. They looked bad against the Seahawks. Uh, they looked pretty good against the Dolphins the week before that. But I just think struggling the last couple of weeks. But And this Bears defense, uh, you know, obviously good. Khalil Mack is supposed to be playing this week. So I think that plays into it also. So if you think that the Lions keep it close, uh, does it become more of a Tariq Cohen game than a Jordan Howard kind of close out the game late? I kind of like Howard, actually. I, I think it, since I can't come up with that narrative of how the Lions keep it close, then Howard should get plenty of work and – if he's getting 15-plus carries, which has been the case in games where they've had leads, I think he gets you 65, 70 yards and, and maybe a touchdown in this game. So you can use him. I think he fits better in season long than in DFS, unfortunately. And if I'm playing anybody on either side of this game, yikes. I mean, I'm probably looking either at, <laughs> like, I don't know, Trey Burton in tournaments or something, but even Burton's been weirdly inconsistent. I, I think... They spread the ball around so effectively that I don't feel great about any of those pass catchers, even though I like what Matt Nagy and this Bears offense are doing. 
Yeah, I mean, Burton's interesting. He does have five touchdowns on the year, but he has so many games where he just does nothing. I mean, he has 28 and 18 yards last two weeks, and then it was 126 the week before that. So it's just you're kind of relying on that big play. You know, he's been, uh, you know, five targets or less in every game but two. So, and then he has an 11-target game. It's just it's just kind of all over the map. But I agree with you. I, I had trouble finding guys to use in this game, and I get a little frustrated. I think, you know, the Bear, Bears offense has been, you know, effective, and Matt Nagy's been pretty good. But I, I just get frustrated with the Tariq Cohen usage. It was so up and down. They had a couple of weeks where he was – the guy and he looked really good. Then we have 13 combined touches the last two weeks. So he's kind of he's so good, but he's just really hard to trust. I have a hard time playing him, even though he scored three the last four weeks. It's just hard to get enough game action for him to, you know, unless they're unless they're really trailing and he's getting the ball in the backfield, which you don't really see in this game. It's hard to find a way to get him in a DFS lineup. Yeah, if you look at total touch percentage, you know, just carries and, and catches together. Jordan Howard had 44% of the touches in the Bears offense in week eight, 38% against the Bills in week nine and, and Cohen was was second both of those weeks with 12 and, and 19 percent respectively so you just look at, at how they're they're kind of concentrating production that was with Allen Robinson out if Allen Robinson's back maybe that opens things up a little bit I just feel better about the backs than anything else and if I had to take a chance on a receiver or a tight end it's Burton right now because Taylor Gabriel has kind of fizzled out these last few weeks yeah I think I'm uh, I think I'm on board with you there but uh, let's move on to the next one Arizona at Kansas City uh, wild game. The fact that Kansas City is a 16 and a half point favorite. I think that's the second biggest spread we've had all year over under is 50 in this game. So obviously the Arizona game total is really low. The Kansas City game total implied total is really high. You've mentioned David Johnson a couple times, though, uh, much like Leonard Fournette. I'd like you to like you to sell me on what you like about DJ this week. So a couple things. Uh, you know, we saw four catches in the first game where Byron left, which took over as the offensive coordinator. Uh, a little concerning that he was still under four yards per carry, but 20 total touches. So touch volume was there, and it was there a couple times before they fired Mike McCoy. But the thing that really stood out to me, I looked over at the uh, next-gen stats charts, which is just nextgenstats.nfl.com, hit the charts button at the top, and you can look at how players are running routes, how players are being used on carries. And when you looked at that chart earlier in the season for David Johnson, it was just clustered up in the middle of the field, and it didn't make any sense. Where they were using him in Week 8, was much more to the outside. They had a lot of success when they went outside with him. Shocker. And I think they're going to keep doing that. So I just I like the way that he's getting 20 touches in the offense in three of the last four games. And I just like the way that Byron Leftwich opened up where on the field David Johnson was carrying the ball and running some of his routes last week. So I think that's where that interest comes in. Getting that discount is interesting. You know, Playing catch-up, he's not a game-script-dependent kind of guy. He's going to be out there when they're down... 10-plus throughout this game, catching passes along the way. And Kansas City's defense is probably better than people give it credit for, but not so good that I'm worried about him getting completely snuffed out either. Yeah, they do give up a lot of yards to running backs, which I did like, but uh, I just look at his targets, and I'm always surprised that it's not more, considering they're trailing and trailing significantly in a lot of games. He has now more than five targets uh, since week one. But uh, like you said, if, if, if they're using him differently, that suddenly becomes interesting to me. Uh, if, so if Kansas City gets out... Uh, you know, it's 28 to three in the second quarter. Do you think that Johnson can, can get 10, 10 targets, something like that? Do you think they'll use him in that way? Yes, I think it, I think it is possible. And okay. I, I think he's he's still tournaments only for me, despite the 20 carry floor, which is a really odd thing to say about David Johnson. But I, I like I like how much everybody's frustrated by him right now. And in, in yeah, a possible a garbage time shootout scenario, you're getting an extremely talented player at a discounted price with lots of volume, and probably with lower than usual ownership. So not lower than usual for this season, but much lower than expected 
based on how good he can be when things are going well. You look, David Johnson's been on on bad teams that are are well coached prior to this season. Like Bruce Arians, right. I think is is an underappreciated coach based on what we're seeing from the Cardinals right now. <laughs> but the situation, the talent around him, was still average at best, and he was putting up monster numbers in the past in Arizona. So I just think the 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 surrounding cast for him might not matter that much anyway. And I just like that Leftwich really opened up how he was using Johnson, even though that volume didn't get scaled up like crazy against San Francisco. Yeah, that's a really good note on the on the usage in Leftwich, and that's uh, that's definitely interesting. I'm going to take a look at that too. But uh, I like talented players at a lesser price. I think I like him more than Fournette. Uh, I'm a little concerned they make it a little game scripted out if they get way behind. But uh, if they use him in the in the passing game, especially in DraftKings, he becomes really interesting if 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 they are you know dumping it down to him six, eight, ten times. Yeah, that's exactly where I want to get on the David Johnson shares is on DraftKings where junk receptions are so valuable. I think this could just be a game where they really blow his role in the passing game. So with the same theory in mind, any interest in Larry Fitzgerald? 28 targets the last three weeks. Seems to maybe finally be healthy and kind of getting it going. He's quietly been really involved. Um, any interest in Fitz with kind of the same script of, you know, big uh, big deficit dumping him all the ball a lot? It's it's moderate interest because the price ticked up a full thousand on DraftKings. He was in the 4,000 range each of the last four games. And now he's up at 5,400. So you're you're not getting... As much of a discount, I think with that, I'm, I'm looking around that same price range. And you know, if I'm looking in, in a tournament scenario, T.Y. Hilton's only 300 more. Like that, that's a really tough situation. Mean, they're totally different players because Fitz is all volume. But I don't know. I think Fitz even in cash is okay, not great for me this week. Yeah, I think uh, I, I agree there. I feel that. Uh, what about the Chiefs side of the ball? These games are always hard to figure out. 17 points spread, 16 and a half. Uh, do you do you just figure that they're going to score so many points? The game script doesn't matter. Do you worry the second half they're going to be handing the ball off the whole time? Kareem Hunt has just been a beast lately. You know, ten touchdowns and over about and averaging about 140 yards over the last six games. Just been completely a monster. Looks fast and looks strong. I mean, just looks so good. Patrick Mahomes, 300 plus yards in eight straight games. The record is actually nine, so he could uh, could tie the record this week. How do you deal with this game? Obviously, they're going to score a lot of points. There, you get you need you know you need some piece, some action. This game. How do you figure it, it works out uh, with the fact that they're going to be leading the whole game? I mean, they, they kind of controlled that game against Jacksonville about a month ago, and, and Mahomes went over 300 yards in that one, threw a couple of picks, but the yardage was there, right. and the TDs could have been there. So, I'm really not that worried about it. I think with with the Chiefs, they're going to hit the gas pedal early, try to open up that big lead, and as they do that, Mahomes will get his along the way. Maybe it is a better Kareem Hunt week this week than most because they could you know, lean on him a little more in the second half. But I'm I'm still looking at Mahomes, especially on DraftKings at 7,200. I know like relative to the other quarterbacks, that's still like 800 more than Aaron Rodgers. It still doesn't feel like they're making you pay enough of a tax to get him right now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's wild. I mean, and watching him is fun. I mean, he had a ball. I don't know if you watched the Chiefs game at all last week against the Browns. He had a ball to Travis Kelsey that like had like a three inch window that he could throw it in and, and it just it exactly in that window for the touchdown. It was it was an incredible play. I saw the back angle of it. It's just the window was so small. It's just it's a remarkable throw. And he's just he makes a couple of those every week where you're like, my God, I mean this this guy's legit really, really good. He is awesome. Uh, I love that he can yeah, he can throw really on the is. move with that arm strength as well. That accuracy is is outstanding. I, I wonder, I mean this is this is kind of like the setup with Minnesota and Buffalo back in week three, right? If you still have the Chiefs left in Survivor. <laughs> let's Let's not let's not even mention that game. You're, just, you're, but you're feeling so good about this. You're like, hey, I made it to week ten in Survivor. 
I'm throwing Patrick. I'm throwing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at home out there against Arizona. It's going to be great. I'm going to roll through in Survivor this week. Everybody else in my pool already used them, so I'm safe. I mean, it's it's that level of how, like how confident you are they're going to win this game, and they I mean they should. They they absolutely should. But maybe Mahomes makes a couple of mistakes, and then that opens up more opportunities for him. Maybe he has to throw more because of a couple of interceptions. You're almost rooting for a few mistakes early just to get him to max out that volume over the course of the game. Right, but in that Minnesota-Buffalo game, I was so excited that Kirk Cousins got behind in the first quarter, and then it didn't really work out that way either. It's, that I mean, game was that is that is the weirdest game of the season by far. And I don't think it will happen again. But this this is the same <laughs> kind of weird set of circumstances. Like team we all really like at home against a team that nobody likes, and more than a two touchdown favorite. So it it's, it's it should be so safe. But who knows? Maybe it'll go wrong somehow. So a couple of a couple of questions for you on the Chiefs side. You know, obviously you want to get a piece of this. Do you, uh, if Sammy Watkins doesn't play, do you see anybody, maybe a Chris Conley type or someone like that, that could, uh, you know, maybe get some really cheap uh, production if, if Watkins does not play? He's questionable right now. Uh, you know, it sounds like it's uh, it's kind of a real game time decision, decision kind of thing. If you see something that Watkins doesn't play Sunday morning, are you going to try and slide someone cheap in this offense to try and get a piece of it at a low price? If I had to do it, it'd be Conley. He's only 3,200 on DraftKings. I think it'd be for tournaments only, believe it or not, though, because even like in week four when Sammy Watkins left that game against Denver early, the target volume ticked up for Chris Conley. He had six targets, only had four catches for 13 yards. I mean, he just he's had occasional spurts where he gets a few looks and he's done very little with them. So you're just buying in in a tournament at, at that price because you could even lump him in there with a Kelsey or with Tyreek Hill and then maybe offset the cost of Mahomes too and, and get away with a, a chief stack, which, I mean, how often can you pull that off? Like, that's that's pretty amazing that you could get Mahomes plus Hill for 14.5, tack on Conley at 3,200, and for, you know, 17K plus, You've got Mahomes and two of his pass catchers getting a decent share of the targets. Chris Conley and I have a complicated relationship. But have you have you had you've had success before, but you've been burned many times too, or like how why is it complicated? So uh, two years ago, the year that I, I hit my uh, my big win on Fanduel, Chris Conley was my cheap guy, so it allowed me to get in a lot of expensive guys. But if he had one more catch, I would have won almost three times as much money as I did. So I don't really know how to feel about him one way or the other. Mm. I gotta feel more good than good. bad about that. I think, yeah, I think I, most. I think most. I think mostly good too. Yeah, I, I think. I think that's still a positive. I think. I think Conley did his part to help you get to where you were. <laughs> I think he had like two catches for seventeen yards or something. Where you know he had a couple of targets, but uh, yeah, Chris Conley always has a special place in my heart. Him and Lamar Miller, uh, for guys that uh, are not big stars, have special places in my heart. Do you have a framed Lamar Miller jersey near your uh, your TVs? No, but I really should because his he had a touchdown with like a minute left in the game where he was pretty much surrounded at the nine yard line with like six guys around him and no chance to score to the point that I kind of looked away and then I looked up and he was down to the four yard line about to go in. So he's a he's a he's a special guy to me. All right, yeah, you got to get that framed jersey. <laughs> um, what about the Chiefs' defense? Uh, they had seven uh, seven sacks the last two weeks. They play at home, which they're always you know way different. That crowd really gets them going at home. Arizona's allowed three, six, and four sacks the last two weeks. They have nine turnovers the last three weeks. This lines up as a game where you could really see some defensive action in the second half. They're only forty six hundred on Fanduel, priced up a little bit, but uh, gotta like the situation here. Yeah, situation's good. Rookie quarterback on the road, hostile environment. Um, you know, priced down at thirty three hundred, but still fourth most expensive defense on DraftKings. I think it just comes down to whether or not I've got enough money left over. You know, if I have enough money left over for the Chiefs or the Jets, sure, I'll 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 happily take one of them. 
if I don't have enough money left over after I put everything else in that I want, I'll settle for something a lot cheaper. You know, if if I can only afford the Rams on DraftKings at 2400 home against Seattle, okay, well, that's what I'll do. Then I'll probably make sure I'm not doing that in the lineup where I've got some Seattle pieces going back up against the Rams or something. But I, I just think I don't want to go out of my way for the Chiefs defense or the Jets defense this week unless it just fits into the rest of my lineup. If you told me at the start of the season that by week 10 the Rams would be a $2,400 defense on DraftKings, I sure as hell would not think they were 8-1. It's crazy. I mean, they're, they're still averaging over 9 fantasy points per game on DraftKings. So I, I think that's going to be the the cheap defense that people want this week just since they're at home. Right. And the, the only thing about it is, like, Seattle most weeks doesn't throw that many passes, so your opportunities for sacks go down, so you kind of become turnover-dependent in this particular matchup but at 2,400. Yeah, maybe you get a special teams touchdown or something. You never know. Moving to the uh, the one o'clock games, we have three games that are all uh, ten point spreads. Uh, Green Bay is actually nine and a half, but pretty much ten. Green Bay is at home against the Dolphins, uh, nine and a half point favorites, over under forty seven and a half. Um, I kind of like the Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams stack this week. I don't think it's going to be crazy high owned. Those guys are both really expensive. Um, I see a big week for these guys. I like Devontae Adams coming off the quiet week, only forty yards last week. Still scored, had nine targets, seven plus targets every game. He's about uh, he's about as a uh, you know, game script independent to get somebody. He gets his targets every week, no matter what's happening. Rogers loves throwing him the ball. Um, I kind of like that stack, and I don't think it's going to be that popular. Yeah, I don't think it will be either. But Xavier Howard's going to be out there, and and he presents a, a challenging matchup. But with Rogers throwing For passes, sure. you just don't. I don't think you worry about top end or even elite corners necessarily shutting down a guy like Adams because Rogers can throw into those impossible windows. And I think it does create that opportunity in tournaments where you're getting extreme talent at low ownership, pairing them together does make a lot of sense. And I think you're looking at, what, under 5% ownership on Rodgers and probably 6 to 8% at most on Adams? Yeah, I think what helps that is I think a lot of people are going to be playing Marquez, Valdez, Scantling at only 5400 on Fando. So I think at $3,000 less, I think a lot of people are just going to slide there if they want a piece of this passing game. Obviously a way bigger role with Geronimo Allison out. I think he's on IR now. Uh, he was three for uh, 101 yards last week on six targets, five targets each of the last four, five plus targets each of the last four weeks. He's clearly their number two right now, so I think he's going to get a lot of attention. And I do like him as a play. I think he's a solid play at that at that price. But I also think that's going to help keep Devontae Adams even lower than he should be. So what I'm curious, I mean, for the guys that play a lot more than you and I do, uh, you know, the Al Zeidenfeld types, I, I wonder if they're going to be, as they say, underweight on Valdez Scantling this week because so many people are going to be on him at that price, especially. And when you look at their offense, Adams will get a lot of targets. Graham's going to get some targets. And then Scantling will be involved. Like, I think having exposure is good. Having less exposure than everybody else might be ideal in this particular matchup. Uh, so I'm looking at that one. I'm trying to be kind of careful with it. But it is a very tempting price because it just seems like Marquez Valdez-Scantling has the trust of Aaron Rodgers. And once you have that, you get plenty of opportunities as soon as targets become available. And yeah, maybe... The five to six that normally would go to Allison, maybe Scantling, Velda Scantling gets three, and Graham gets a couple, and Adams gets a little bump, and that's the distribution. But at that price, that's enough to take the chance at least a little bit this week. Yeah, I mean, you get a guy like that at the price with a really obviously a great all-time quarterback. I think that you're gonna see uh, you're gonna see high percentage. I think that to answer your question, I think the the pros will be uh, probably a little bit underweight on on Velda Scantling just because of kind of a game theory kind of thing. Um, you know, with the fact that Adams and Graham. Uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll be the more active guys, but you're the Packers guy. 
Uh, do you see this last couple of weeks, Aaron Jones, you know, finally taking over a little bit? He had uh, 12 for 86 and 14 for 76. He did fumble, but they went back to him after the fumble, which it was good to see. Uh, Miami did okay last week against the run, but the week before, 18 for 133 to the aforementioned Lamar Miller, uh, 19 to 158 to carry on Johnson the week before that. Uh, you're the Packers guy. I want to ask you, do you finally think we're seeing Aaron Jones as kind of the guy and maybe maybe breaking out this week? Yeah, and I still want to punch Mike McCarthy in the face because I think the series immediately <laughs> after the fumble, Williams got the first carry again. And it's like, he did, dude, did you not see how he fumbled? Like Aaron Jones was diving through the air and, and the defender came out, just made a great play and knocked the ball loose. It wasn't careless. It, it, was, it was the no-fault fumble if such a thing exists. Right. And... The usage of the last two weeks has been so favorable. 62% of the snaps in Week 8 against the Rams went to Aaron Jones. 58% against New England went to Aaron Jones. And the difference was Ty Montgomery was on the team in Week 8. The 12% that went to Montgomery in Week 8 basically went to Williams. So Jones's right. role didn't really go down that much. I don't think McCarthy's holding that fumble against them. I think he's realizing Aaron Jones is electric. It's just It's crazy to me when you're down... Like Jones fumbles, the Patriots score. You're down on the road against New England. You have a guy that gets you five plus yards per carry, and you have a guy that gets you three and a half. You're trying to make up ground. Which one do you use? It's like a basic math problem. You could give a group of eighth graders a math problem like that. Which player, which which situation is better? They would all say, give it to the guy that gets five plus yards per carry. McCarthy has this like weird caveman attitude that's hey, my dog just peed on the carpet, so now I'm going to push the dog's like face towards it so he knows not to do it again. It's like, A, don't treat your dog like that, and B, it's not going to work. <laughs> it, it, that's, that's not, that is not a solution to your problem. And I, just, I think he's starting to get it, and the snap counts coming out of the bye have at least kind of pointed in that direction. I think I'm more interested in Jones this week than I am in Valdez Scantling, by comparison. I think there's going to be more builds for me around Jones because I think people are still afraid of McCarthy in the backfield right now. So I think it's a pretty good consensus that you're a very uh, very nice guy. Is Mike McCarthy the only guy you want to punch in the face? He's on the short list. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to. I really don't want to punch anybody in the face because I, I don't think that feels good. Like I, I've I've punched someone in the face in high school. So that was a long time ago. Only time I've ever done that, and I regretted it as soon as I did it. I was like, that wasn't cool. Like, why did I do that? But it, it was. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into that story, but. I really don't want to punch anybody in the face ever, but McCarthy's <laughs> stupidity, it, it infuriates me because we get to watch an all-time great quarterback every single right. week. Like Everybody around the league, unless you hate the Packers because you're a Vikings or Bears fan, you watch the Packers and you're like, this is awesome. Aaron Rodgers is amazing. And if you're a fan of the team, you're just like, why have why do they have one Super Bowl with this guy? And you look at the the tub of potato salad on the sideline, you go, oh, it's that that guy. That's the reason why. <laughs> that's the, that's yeah. the reason. You see it every week. I'm I'm afraid that looking back, uh, one Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers is going to be very disappointing. Looking back historically, oh, I, I hope they find a way to get another one. And I feel like they have to miss the playoffs this year in order for it to happen in future years. Because I think that's the only way McCarthy loses his job. On the uh, on the Miami side, uh, there's not much I like. Is there anybody you consider playing? I mean, Kenyon Drake is interesting a little bit because of the game script. If they get behind, it'll be a lot of him and, and not much Frank Gore, you know, catching balls. He did six targets last week, but three carries last week. It's just so hard to trust this guy with the volume. You just you have to get the right exact game script, or he 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 could lose out pretty quickly. I just I think there's other guys I like more, but if I had to play someone, I think it'd be him. Yeah, I think Drake is the most interesting player. I mean, they could be playing from behind. That opens up the door for him to get passes out of the backfield. 
Uh, Kenny Stills only played 49% of the snaps last week in his return against the Jets. That gives me some pause. If he were totally healthy, I think he'd be the GPP target on the other side of this game. Maybe even the guy you'd throw into a lineup with Rodgers and Adams if you are going to play that Packer stack like you were talking about before, Scott. But I don't know if there's a Miami receiver that I want to sneak in there, even though the setup should be a good one this week. Yeah, about about how I felt there. I think that if I did anything, it would be Drake and hope for a lot of targets out of the backfield. But uh, moving on to the next game, we have an AFC West uh, rivalry game, the Chargers at Oakland. Uh, I have to figure out where these teams play. They're still in Los Angeles and Oakland, I believe. Uh, moving around with these two teams, the Chargers are 10-point favorites, over-unders 50-and-a-half. Uh, Phillip Rivers still has multiple touchdowns every game. The Raiders are allowing allowed three passing TDs each of the last three weeks, including to my boy Nick Mullins, of all players. Uh, do you think the Raiders have just quit on this season? It feels like it, but shouldn't a group of veterans not quit? Like, shouldn't like shouldn't the advantage of having the old roster is that it's a bunch of guys that still want to play in the league next year? Maybe, maybe that's the right, downside. Right. They don't want to play anymore because they they're realizing it's not worth it. But I I. I, I don't know what to make of how bad the Raiders are. I, I didn't think they'd be good, but I also didn't think they'd quit. And that's what it feels like they've done. Uh, the problem I have in this game is like if the if the Chargers get up big, we probably see a lot of Austin Eckler. But to get there, Melvin Gordon should be extremely productive. Is it worth paying up for Gordon in a game that could be so lopsided? That's the first question. And then the second part is, can you trust Rivers and Allen as a cash game tandem Again, knowing that the script might be that Rivers only throws it 28 times this week. Like, that's that's where I get a little caught up. Like, Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams kind of jockeying for targets behind Allen. Probably an easier sort of avoid this week since you don't expect Oakland to punch back, punch back much. But Rivers, Allen as a cash game duo and maybe Gordon as a player kind of the more fascinating sides for me. Yeah, Gordon's interesting to me. I mean, I he missed the game in London with the injury, and he looked shot out of a cannon last week. I thought he looked really good against the Seahawks on the road. 16 carries, 113 yards. You know, the Raiders gave up 86 yards to Raheem Mostart last week from the Niners. Um, you know, I almost said Sheldon Mack. Marlon Mack had 132 yards the week before that. I just, I think Gordon had 120 total yards in the Raiders the first game they played. Really nice game script for him. If I'm going to pay up at running back, I think it's Gordon for me this week. 8,900 is definitely fully priced. But uh, I just I think with a lead, I think that uh, you, you mentioned that the lead gets too big. Maybe they go to Eckler. But I think if they get that big of a lead, it's because Gordon did a lot of stuff uh, in the first three quarters before that. I love Gordon this week. Rivers Allen, I really liked last week. Uh, I played Allen in most of my laps last week. He finally had over 100, 100 yards. Still hadn't scored since week one. Had eight catches for 90 yards in them this, in last week. I just think that. I like other receivers more. I think this game gets a little game scripty in the second half where, you know, Rivers and Allen don't have to do a lot. Uh, I think there's other receivers. I like Mike Evans more. I like some other guys in the 8,000s more. I think I'm off Keenan Allen this week after being very, very much on him last week. I think you can just, if you're going to pay up for a quarterback, especially on FanDuel, you can find the extra couple hundred bucks for Breeze. The difference from Allen to Michael Thomas is a little trickier to get because Allen's 7,900, yep. Thomas is 8,600. But you can find it, especially with like a Deion Lewis under 6K. There's some other cheap plays that do counterweight the lineup enough where you can you can pull it off. Uh, I think for me, I am looking for a game that I expect to be a little closer if I'm paying up. But the Raiders are so bad defensively. It's it's just so bad. It's so tempting to get Rivers out there with Allen because I I, I think if the Raiders find a way to score some points, they're going to go bananas. They're, they're going to get like 10 yards per attempt. It's going to be an insane, efficient day for the Chargers. It's just a matter if they get the volume. 
It's funny you mentioned Mike Williams, and I was I was looking at him last night, and I was doing a little prep for the podcast. He has one catch in four of his last five games. That seems crazy to me. Yeah, the snap counts are favoring Tyrell Williams quite a bit too, and yeah. and they're they're both getting low enough volume where there's quite a bit of risk. Um, Sixty five hundred is the price on Fanduel for Tyrell Williams. I mean, he he is just very much dependent on scoring right now. Four TDs over the last four games, uh, all of those coming in the last three. But no more than four targets in any of the last four games. Like that's the that's the goofy thing about Tyrell Williams and how many points he's been putting on the board. Um, so it, so for me, I love I love Philip Rivers, I love Keenan Allen, but it's it's a Melvin Gordon week for me. Uh, the Chargers defense uh, turning it up a little bit. Eleven sacks the last three weeks, under twenty points allowed the last three games. The Raiders gave up eight sacks to the 49ers last week. Seahawks had six on them in week six. Uh, Carr hasn't thrown a pick in three weeks, so that, I mean, maybe he's not uh, taking many chances. He's getting sacked all the time. Uh, how do you feel about the Chargers defense at 4,700 on FanDuel? Feels pretty good. Uh, problem kind of comes into what we talked about earlier with like the Jets uh, and maybe the Chiefs, too, where you look at the Chargers as an elite defense price-wise, and you just might not have enough left over. If you're paying up for a Gordon, if you are going to put a, a Breeze-Thomas stack together or some other quarterback-receiver combo on FanDuel, it's really expensive together, you're probably not going to end up with the high $4,000 defense. You're probably going to have to look at something a little bit cheaper this week. So I, I like it, but I don't think the rest of my lineup is letting me really get away with that. On the Raiders side, there's not a lot to talk about. If Doug Martin doesn't play, he's questionable right now, uh, do you think that Jalen Richard can do enough to uh, to earn the low price? I do in this matchup because I expect the Chargers to win so easily, and that just puts Jalen Richard out there catching a lot of passes. Uh, you look at the target volume the last few weeks, 4, 8, 8, 6, 5, and 7. I mean, that's, that's a lot. He had an 11 target game against the Rams to start the season as well. Uh, so I think that's where he gets propped up. Give him 10, 12 carries on top of 5-plus targets, and that's a pretty nice value. 5,400 on FanDuel even. I think uh, the the confirmed absence of Doug Martin would definitely make me think about using Richard. 4,800 on DraftKings. That's an even better spot to use him with the full PPR. But I need to see... I need to see Martin out to bump up that carry floor to get a, to get Richard into my lineup or Richard in my lineups. Do you think if Martin doesn't play that Richard is what percentage would you put him at? Do you think he gets to a, a percentage where maybe he's thinking about fading or not not that high? I don't think so. I think people hate the Raiders enough where it's not going to get crazy. Yeah. I mean, like ten percent maybe would be the the max. Like I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't fade based on an unexpected ownership of ten percent. Yeah, and he's still still Jalen Richard. I think that's I think that's about right. So moving on to the last game, Seahawks at the Rams, a game that uh, you know it's uh, a good name game, but the Rams are favored by ten points. Obviously, uh, a significantly better team than the Seahawks are so far this year. Rams are over under fifty and a half uh, on the Seattle side, the visitor side. Uh, we talked about Mike Davis a little bit earlier. You mentioned Doug Baldwin a little bit. We're at the top also. Uh, having said that, are, are you considering playing someone's game? You mentioned this is the game that you maybe uh, think about stacking. If you're stacking someone. Uh, from the Rams, what do you do with the Seattle side? Who who who's kind of your stack choices there? So what, what I'm hoping is if we get clarity on Baldwin. If Baldwin doesn't play, that puts Lockett in as the the other side guy that I want. I think when okay. when Baldwin was out to begin the season, Lockett was a lot more consistent then. If Baldwin plays, that's where it gets really messy. If Baldwin is good to go, you know, I, I, stacking this game probably becomes something that you wouldn't do. Based on that, because they've been spreading the ball around so much, I don't, I don't know what to make of David Moore. Like, wh- where is this coming from? And, and even with the production we saw, 
in that three-week stretch where he went over uh, 10 FanDuel points three straight games, it was with 11 total targets in those three games. It was because he scored four times. It had nothing to do with the way they were using him. And then the target volume goes up last against the Chargers, but the production comes down. I don't think that's a... I don't think it's a place you want to go. I don't think you want to throw David Moore out there. So really, if I'm looking to get back on the other side of the Rams game with Seattle pieces, it's lock it if Baldwin is out. And maybe, 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 maybe if Baldwin plays, I'd still do it. But I'd probably just look elsewhere at that point. What about uh, what about Baldwin himself? Baldwin, I, I want to keep buying in because it's kind of like you said with the Rams defense, like, if you told me back at the beginning of the season that Doug Baldwin would be playing at this point, but still <laughs> down in price this much, I, right. I would have been very confused by that. He's a really good player, but I'm increasingly concerned that he's just not 100% healthy, that he's out there playing through it, that he's going to need some kind of knee scope or some other surgery at the end of the season. And I, I'd rather play Baldwin than Lockett if they're both active. But again, I, I think it's it's still one of those things where I'd start to think about the other games on the slate as better stackable options it's funny we talked earlier about you know guys coming back and is there one you know the spot where you get them cheap before they blow up and baldwin feels like that a little bit to me the last uh two of the last three weeks have been really good six for 91 four for 77 he caught all of his four targets last week played 72 snaps against the, against the chargers which i like to see you know at least he's out there you know the limited snap stuff is not there anymore I just wonder if uh, if we're finally getting to the Baldwin week, we're finally he's healthy, a really good game script, and then was a ten point dog. Uh, I think Baldwin's an intriguing tournament play for me this week with uh, with the lower price, with the talent we know about, with the connection he has with Russell, Russell Wilson, with the game script. I think maybe uh, we're talking about Doug Baldwin next week. Maybe he's like seventy one hundred off a big week. Yeah, that'd be that'd be huge. So you're definitely thinking about it in tournaments, huh? For sure. I uh, he's a guy that uh, you know late game ten point dogs. Second half, they throw the ball a lot, a little garbage. Uh, you know, I don't think the Rams can cover on the, on the back end. I think their front seven's really good, but I don't think they can cover really well. Um, you know, I think Michael Thomas had, what, 200-plus yards last week. Devontae Adams had 133 the week before that. Uh, I've seen that Baldwin's kind of coming around. I've seen a couple athletic plays. He had a couple plays where uh, he, he Wilson threw to somebody else and he jumped for the ball. He kind of looked back to the Doug Baldwin to me. Uh, I think he's going to be low percentage. I think it's uh, it's an intriguing trade. He's not a cash game play to me, but a tournament guy. I think he's really interesting this week, and I think we finally see him score for the first time this year. That's interesting. Well, I, I had the had the feel that this would be a game you could stack back against. If, if you see good things in Doug Baldwin these last couple of weeks, even though the volume target-wise has been down, I think right. I might have to sign off on that and try to sneak him in there. But uh, if you get that clarity that the go- the groin injury knocks him out, I wouldn't hesitate to go ahead and use Lockett without Baldwin. I'd just be careful to use Lockett if Baldwin's active. Yeah, and obviously needs to see, needs to see some pretty good uh, practice reports both today and Friday on Baldwin to, to consider that uh, hunch. But uh, if he looks good to go, I think I'm going to throw him in a couple lineups. Uh, finally, on the Rams side of the ball, obviously a hugely explosive offense. Uh, they were really good against the Saints last week, even though they lost the game. The offense was uh, it was definitely not the reason they had 35 points. Uh, so what do you do with the Rams? I think Cooper Cup at 6,500 on FanDuel is way underpriced. I have no idea why he's a thousand less than than Woods and 1,200 less than Cooks. He was really good last week. You know, his first game back from the knee injury, 60 snaps. He had five catches for 89 yards in the touchdown. Um, you know, Keenan Allen had 124 yards uh, against them last week as a, as a slot guy, kind of a similar profile against the Seahawks. Uh, I think Cooper Cup, uh, I'd be shocked if he wasn't a really high percentage this week on FanDuel where the price is so, so different. Very easy cash game play on FanDuel. Makes Me too, yeah. all Agreed. the sense in the world at that price. It, it actually gives you a little relief for more expensive things that you want elsewhere. And I, I just, I don't, 
I don't see any red flags with Cooper Cup, and it's it's ama- it is amazing he's priced now. He should probably cost what seventy three hundred or so at least. I mean, like you, you could justifiably price him the same as Woods or Cooks because he's actually been a little more productive in terms of fantasy points per game this season. Yeah, I don't really know why he's that much less. I guess it's because he had the time missed, but it, it seems uh, it seems like a mistake that he's he's not in the same range as those other two guys. Yeah, take take advantage of that, especially in cash games. Yeah, so uh, in the other on the other side, then you got Todd Gurley down to ten eight. I say down to ten eight because he was a little bit higher 10, than last week. Yeah, uh, obviously, you know, a good game script for a running back. They're ten point favorites. Um, are you going back to Gurley? You mentioned that you know Gurley's kind of been your cash guy. You just throw him in and kind of build from there. How are you feeling about him this week? Uh, Melvin Gordon had one hundred thirteen yards against the Seahawks last week. Looked really good running the ball. Big gaps, uh, nice lanes. Uh, do you go back to Gurley this week after the, after the one quiet, uh, you know, quiet in quotes week? Yeah, I'm not worried about last week. I think it, it's really site dependent for me because the gap between Gordon and Gurley price wise on FanDuel is huge. It's almost two thousand dollars, a ten eight and eighty nine hundred. It becomes a lot harder to justify Gurley, and especially in cash. But that makes it more interesting in tournaments. On DraftKings, he's ninety four hundred. Gordon's nine thousand. Like I'll, even even though the matchup's great for Gordon, I'll take Gurley right. every single time when the price difference is only four hundred. So I think that's where it's just where are you playing? And and then I can find the difference easily on DraftKings. I can't find it on FanDuel. My lineups when I was building around Gurley this week just took too much of a hit overall to get him in there. So I, I think it, it'd have to be a more of a tournament build because you can go a little cheaper at wide receiver, you know, take a few high upside darts and throw them out there. But I don't think I can play Gurley in cash on FanDuel this week because of Gordon's price and the expected output from Gordon in that matchup. And that's a good kind of strategy note. I mean, it's interesting when you actually start to stick the guys in the lineup as you kind of play with play with lineups. You really can see, you know, week by week, you know, is this a week where Gurley fits? Is a week where Gurley doesn't fit? And it, it really changes week by week. It depends on if there those obvious cheap plays. You know, if someone like uh, if Doug Martin doesn't play, you can get Jalen Rashard in there. If you know other guys get hurt, you know, suddenly that changes whether whether a Gurley build works well. But I agree with you. I think that uh, when I was playing around with it and kind of starting to think about some lineups this week, I, I didn't love my Gurley lineups. No, I, I I started with that initial build, and I was looking at it this morning, and it just, it, it was an easy, sorry, try again for the cash game builds, at least. It, again, tournaments, totally possible. I would, I would never say, don't play Todd Gurley in tournaments, because when the price is this high, people are going to be dissuaded, and you want you want to take those shots when you can find the combinations you like, but it's just not cash game viable on FanDuel for me right now. So last question before I, before I let you go, we've gone a little bit long here, I. Uh, if you drop down from Gurley to that next range, you have Kareem Hunt at 9,000, Melvin Gordon at 8,900, Kamara at 8,800 on FanDuel. Do you have a strong preference among those three this week? I think it's Gordon. Uh, I think Kareem Hunt's a close second because that game script is is very favorable where they could be up running the ball a lot more. But I almost wonder in the case of the Chiefs if they would just say, let's bring Spencer Ware onto the field for, for eight or ten yep. carries in the second half. I mean, it's the same kind of thing that could happen with Gordon and Austin Eckler. Um, I think the the Chargers have fewer ways to build up their big lead than the Chiefs do, and that's kind of the the slight differentiation point for me when I'm choosing one of Gordon or Hunt this week at nearly identical prices. Yeah, we agree there. Chiefs are at home, Chargers are on the road, so maybe that helps a little bit to, towards the, the blowout scenarios. I, I think I'm, agree- I'm with you there. Uh, I think Gordon, among those three, is my favorite play of the uh, kind of the non-girly uh, elite guys. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Cool. Anything else that uh, you want to hit and you want to talk about before we get out of here? 
think we covered everything. Um, you know, I mentioned before, I, I kind of like Graham as a, a way of, of steering away from Valdez Scantling if you're worried about ownership getting a little goofy there. I tried to jam in Travis Kelsey in, into lineups. That hasn't really gone well so far, so I might not have any Travis Kelsey, which could make that an interesting sort of tournament play too. But just 8K is a lot to pay up when you need to get production elsewhere. And yeah, especially when you look at a 17-point spread, you got to hope he does a lot in the first half, I would assume. Although, you know, you never know, you know how a game goes, but um, like we said earlier, that feels like one that uh, it's going to be a lot of points to not very many points pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to come up with, with ways that Arizona keeps it close enough for Kansas City to have to throw deep into the fourth quarter, and I'm not seeing that, but I, I still think they will continue to get David Johnson more involved, and I think that's where... You know, looking at Fournette and David Johnson in particular this week at their prices in tournaments, and I'm very intrigued because of their matchups. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, stack of the week. I love it. I I, I hope it goes uh, crazy. I hope it I hope it's like the two TD week for Adams and you know 120 yards, and and Rodgers finds Jimmy Graham for the other two, or even if he throws one to like Equinemius St. Brown or something. I, I'd love to see a game like that. You just wanted to say Equinemius St. Brown. I'm always looking for a reason. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for listening to the uh, the NFL DFS podcast for Week Ten. We appreciate that. If you could take a, a second to rate or review the podcast, if you enjoy listening to us, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, if you could leave a bunch of stars or a nice rating, uh, that's always a good thing for the podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at Scott Jensta. Derek is at Derek Van Riper. No spaces, no underscores, just straight. Uh, other than that, I uh, hope everybody has a great fantasy week, and we'll be back at you for Week Eleven. Take care. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.